Welcome to the Australian Chiropractors Association podcast. The ACA is the peak body representing chiropractors in Australia. Hosted by ACA President Dr Anthony Coxon, these podcasts explore the science, art, philosophy and politics of chiropractic, as well as reviewing the latest research and discussing how chiropractors can strive for excellence in practice. Welcome to the Australian Chiropractors Association podcast. I'm your podcast host, Anthony Coxon. One observation with the COVID lockdown period was the large number of people who took up running for the first time or maybe returned to running after a long layoff. With gyms closed down, running of course became an obvious option. As a consequence, chiropractors noticed an increase in running-related injuries, such as shin splints and other lower limb musculoskeletal problems. This got me to thinking about how we could best advise potential first-time runners to prepare for this activity so they could enjoy the benefits and hopefully avoid these common mishaps. Of course, who else to advise on this subject but President of Sports Cairo Australia and avid runner himself, Dr Luke Nelson. Luke has written a blog on this subject that covers all the commonly asked questions and then some you probably didn't think of. Luke is a chiropractor, graduating from RMIT in 2003, and following 16 years of private practice, he recently founded Health and High Performance in Mont Albert North in Melbourne. In 2016, Luke was awarded the ACA's Sports Chiropractor of the Year. In 2019, he was awarded his fellowship as a sports and exercise chiropractor by the Australasian Institute of Chiropractic Education. Luke has presented widely across Australia and internationally on various sporting and injury-related topics and was recently involved in organising the Online Physiotherapy Symposium Running Edition, which saw over 8,000 registrants globally, which was in fact a record-breaking achievement in allied health. Luke's competed in a variety of different sports throughout his life, but his current number one love is running. He's completed five marathons, an ultra-marathon, and two Ironman triathlons. Luke currently serves on a number of boards, including President of Sports Cairo Australia and Vice President of Sports Medicine Australia Victorian Committee. Hi, Luke, and welcome to the ACA podcast. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks for uh, for having me on again, which is uh, a repeat performance. So I had so much fun the first time we uh, had to come back and and have another go at it, but this time talking about one of my favourite topics in, in running. Well, mate, there's not many too. There's not too many people who get back a second time. But um, I guess you know you've just got such a wealth of information uh, in that brain of yours, and the topic of running, you know, very poignant at this stage, going through lockdown and with so many people taking up running. Has this been your experience? I mean, I know certainly I've noticed in practice um, a lot more running type uh, injuries with people who wouldn't typically be out there, you know, banging on the pavement. That's right. Yeah, look, it, it certainly it certainly has. I, I don't. I haven't seen any uh, any statistics yet on uh, on the uptake of, of running, but I, I'd certainly from a from a personal point of view, and obviously you find the same thing. Um, I'm certainly been uh, the last few months been joined with many a more runner out of my, my local running track, and then then obviously yeah, seeing seeing more running injuries uh, present into into practice during that during that time as well. So so yes, I think it is something that uh, with gyms being closed, people working from home, uh, just the convenience of running I think has, has led uh, forced a few people out to uh, enjoy the, the outdoors and, and lace up the runners. 
Speaking of that last word, runners, that's the, um, that's the question I get asked the most is what kind of shoes should I actually be wearing when I'm running? So what, what's your response to that? Yeah, well, it's a good one to start with because uh, running is one of the, the advantages of running is that it's really the only piece of equipment you need is, uh, is, is, is runners, a pair of runners and, and, uh, and, and off you go. So look, it is, um, it's something that, that is, there's, there's no easy answer to that because we used to sort of think and, and where we used to prescribe runners was uh, classifying people as whether they pronated or whether they were supinators or whether they were neutral. So we sort of you know, based it on what their, their feet would look like. But over the years, we've seen a a number of studies that have, have debunked this, this method of classification. Uh, and now we're leading more into, a, 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 I guess, what's called the, the comfort paradigm, which is, you know, if the shoe feels good and it feels nice to run in, then it's probably a good, a good fit to you. So this is one of the, one of the guidelines that, uh, that I'll tend to use. When you're starting off running um, after a long layoff or, or starting off for the first time, people may, may already have a pair of, of runners that they've been walking with. And, and so long as they're, they're not too battered and, and beaten up and not too, uh, too old, they're not just the gardening shoes that you've been wearing for five years, yeah. then, then often they can suffice to, to lace them up and, and, and off you go. Um, if you're looking to, to resume the first time, then, then I'd say, uh, you know, there's the uh, trying on a few different pairs. And this is where going to a, a running specialty store, and there's a few that, uh, that I recommend there, but going in there and, and trying a few different pairs on, get on the treadmill there, run on them and see what feels comfortable and then go with that. So not necessarily going by, by uh, yeah, that pronation or, or by that classification system. Um, I think that if you can, and we've gone through the last, well, probably the last 10 years in particular, have gone through a, a phase called the minimalist shoe phase where shoes have, uh, you know, there was the barefoot shoes and, mm. and uh, you know, running without shoes. And one of the things I think that's, that's left from that, uh, that period is that there's shoes have really cut back. A lot of brands have really cut back what's in the shoes. So they, they have made them essentially more minimalist, um, you know, to cut back a lot of the features and, and, uh, and even some of the cushioning. And so, and, and even the, the, the weight as well. So the, the, the shoes that we're left with today are, are a lot, uh, a lot lighter uh, and with a lot less features, which is great because, you know, it, it really the, the lesser shoe you can have, uh, the, the, the better really. And, mm. uh, and make your, you know, your body do the work, but the shoe providing a, a, a bit of protection there for you um, and, uh, and, and a bit of assistance there too. So, so comfort is probably the, uh, the, the big thing to, uh, to, to go by. That's really interesting. So simple is better and uh, all in moderation, I guess. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things I'm a cyclist, I use Strava, which most cyclists will be aware of. It's a technology that helps track my performance. I can measure how fast I've gone up one hill compared to how I did it last week or how fast my mate down the road did it uh, the other day. Um, technology is very, very important for elite athletes in, in terms of setting and tracking performance, but with so many apps and watches and Fitbits and et cetera available today, that's uh, something that, you know, your weekend athlete and runner has access to also. Do you encourage patients to use this technology or, and run them through uh, what's available? 
Certainly do. And, and uh, I think there's a, a saying that um, runners have with Strava that if it's not on Strava, the run didn't exist. So, yes. um, Same in cycling. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Strava's a really good one. There's, there's lots of others as well. Map My Run and, and even just the, uh, those that do have a Garmin, there's a, the inbuilt Garmin one there too. But, but no, I do encourage using those. And, and Strava is, uh, is, is um, free mainly with some, some uh, premium um, access that you could you can get with added features but it's really good because it allows you to keep track of what you're doing and and sort of can firstly keep you accountable but also um, from a loading perspective ensure that you're not uh, not making the common loading mistakes that we that we see in runners uh, one of the issues sometimes we see with Strava and I'm, I'm sure you found the same even with cycling is that you do get a bit competitive with your mates and sometimes you think oh, I'm going to you know take this this segment here or, or you know run faster than probably what you what you need to and I've certainly seen some Strava induced injuries over the uh, over the years with people trying to uh, trying to segment hunt um, but um, but from for the beginner yeah I think it's a great a great tool to have the, the good thing these days with a lot of people with uh, with um, you know that most people have got some sort of wearable device whether it be a Fitbit or an Apple watch and and uh, and even just on the, the app on the phone you can use Strava on the app and that's that's free to use as well so I'd, I would recommend using one of these these apps and uh, and to help to to you know formulate a plan and ensure that you're sticking to it yeah my in my experience i mean there are some people obviously who just prefer not to have that kind of distraction around their sport but for me it is an interesting way to keep engaged um to to track performance and also just to be you know social with your mates who are also because a lot of um these sorts of activities especially when it's something that people really get into uh, and get into over a longer time rather than just doing it through lockdown um, having that sort of social aspect to their to their sport and exercise uh, really enhances the whole benefit behind it that's right and you know with with cycling and and uh, running in particular can be quite a, a lonely lonely sport if you're out there by yourself so having that sort of a, a community that that uh, an app like Strava has got is uh, is quite um, is quite handy um, and to make you feel like you're, you know, part of a, a part of that community and keeping in touch with people. So one of the things you talk about in your blog is uh, being fit to run. Can you explain what you mean by this? Yeah, so there is a saying that I, that I like, and it's uh, be fit to run and, and not run to be to be fit. And so what that's talking about is is some of the pre requirements that uh, that are ideal to have when you're when you're starting up running. They're not a requirement in that if you don't meet those, you cannot run. Um, so I should should get off the uh, right off the bat there and say that now. So don't be discouraged if you if you fail any of these tests or don't meet the required uh, um, the the suggested um, levels. So there's a couple of things that we, we like to, to look at and assess in, in new runners there. So firstly is there's strength requirements and secondly there's mobility requirements. So first off, the, firstly with, with strength, the, the number one muscle for, for runners uh, is, are the calf muscles. Uh, a lot of people talk, think it's the, the glutes and the hips but it's actually the calves and they, they take a huge amount of load you know, upwards to six, six to eight times body weight during, uh, during running. So big requirement there with those calf muscles. So one of the one of the tests that we like to uh, to look for for runners there is a calf raise to fatigue test. So what that involves is um, going up against a wall, putting your fingertips up against the wall there, and then you're just rising up and down and doing as many calf raises as you can, making sure you get a nice full height and a nice even pace of going up and down to, uh, to two seconds and uh, going as many as you can. So you'll feel a, a good burn there with, uh, with that. 
Then the other one we look at, so we look at um, what's called a posterior chain. So that's sort of looking at the hamstrings and, and even up into the, the, the glutes there. And we can do that with a, a bridge to fatigue test. Uh, and that involves putting your, your foot up onto a, onto a box or a couch and then basically doing is raising up and doing as many bridges as you can. Uh, and the third test we, we like to, a uh, little self-test we can do there is a uh, sit-to-stand test where you basically uh, sit in a chair on, and on one leg, you stand up and sit down as many times as you can. And uh, the pass mark for all these and the, the, the goal to achieve for these is, is 25 reps for, for all of those and not seeing any greater than 10% difference from, from side to side. So we like to see a bit of close to symmetry between, uh, between those two. Um, as we said, it's not a, if, you, if you fail these, it doesn't mean that you, uh, you, you can't run. It just means that you might want to start off a bit slower. Uh, you might also want to, if you're below these, these uh, strength guide, the, the levels, then you may want to spend also some extra time working on some strength whilst you're, uh, whilst you're adding in your running. Uh, and the, the other one we mentioned about that, that fitness is the mobility. So the areas that we like to see uh, that are, are more important for runners in mobility wise is the big toe, uh, the ankle, and then also around the, uh, around the hip. So the big toe test, what you can do there is just see, sitting down uh, with your shoes off, having you driving your knee a little bit forward so that it's, it's level with your toes and then trying to pull your big toe back as far as you can. And we should see that any, anywhere between 30 and 50 degrees is, uh, is the ideal to aim for there. Uh, then the ankle, we've got uh, ankle a range of movement there, mobility. We've got a, a knee to wall test. So basically what that involves is standing facing a wall uh, and then you drive your knee forwards uh, to, to touch the wall and then you keep moving your foot backwards until you can no longer, that knee can no longer touch. And then you take a reading um, from how far away uh, your toe is from that wall. Uh, and then we've got, uh, and that, that should be the ideal there for, for the, um, those, the needle wall test is eight to nine centimetres. And again, no more than that 10% difference from side to side. Uh, and then the last mobility test we use is, is for the hips. And a good way to test that is, uh, is with what's called a, a doorway test. Um, and that might be easy. It's a little bit hard to describe, but there, we do have that in the, in the blog there. There's a video on how to, to conduct that at home. But that's, what that's looking for there is looking for the ability for the, for the hip to, to extend or, or come out behind you. So, so three strength tests, three mobility tests, um, things that you can do at home. And uh, depending on your scores on that will then dictate as to you know, how much time you need to put into, uh, into some, you know, some extra homework to, uh, to put in there as well. Whilst you're, uh, whilst you're building your running. I think they're excellent tests and we'll definitely make uh, your blog available to members so that they can uh, visually see uh, those. But just to, to recap and summarize, so we've got the strength, three strength tests, three mobility tests. The strength tests are all uh, unilateral. So you're just doing one leg yes. at a time, including the, the bridge. Um, and similarly, and also as well as um, being great sort of, a, I guess, um, pre-running assessments. These are, of course, are great ways uh, for people to be assessing recovery from injuries, especially when we're looking at a single-sided injury and comparing one side to the other side. For example, I really commonly use the, uh, that ankle uh, dorsiflexion uh, knee-to-wall test to determine if someone's had an ankle sprain when they're ready to get back to you know, exercise and running and with the, with the goal sort of being a, an 85% um, you know, being achieving that level of symmetry bef um, before someone actually returns to, you know, activity or, or you know, a running type of activity. 
yeah, spot on there. You're right that you can you can instruct uh, instruct the, the patient to to perform these at home as well, and and that does give a good uh, a good measure of their their progress too. So nice easy test to use and and give you some uh, some good information. So uh, it's an interesting thing to watch runners run, and I think um, anyone who's seen a an elite athlete run it's a it's in most cases a quite a beautiful majestical thing i remember just uh, just last week being out on my bike and on a just crossing a pathway and there was a runner running by and i knew straight away this girl was a a serious runner she just floated like a, a gazelle and then others somewhat less than a gazelle um, it, do we really how important is running technique especially for for someone who's not necessarily going to be representing australia but just out there trying to keep fit and have fun yeah, so it's a good question with running technique, and, and we do a bit uh, a bit with running gait analysis and, and running technique retraining. But firstly, there is no perfect technique, so there's not uh, not one way that everyone should be running. Uh, we've all got our own different ways of, of moving. We've got our own what we call gait fingerprints, and you probably noticed that uh, you know from you can spot someone a way away by just by the way they walk. Well, before you can see their face, you can see oh yeah, that's Anthony because of the way that the way that he walks. Yeah. Um, and uh, and that's not just a chiropractor saying that, but I think. We <laughs> All, all uh, acknowledge that we can uh, we can we, we've got that skill within us uh, so in terms of in terms of technique so there isn't one way one perfect way but there there are certainly fundamentals that we should uh, should try and achieve by so they are things like um, firstly starting with with posture uh, we don't want to be you know much like uh, sitting at a, sitting at our desk there we don't want to be slouched forward uh, we don't want to be really sitting you know all the way up straight and, and overarching there so we want to try and maintain a bit of a what we call a, a neutral spine with a very slight forward amount of um, amount of, of bend there uh, and then we've got things like uh, I mean some of the other common mistakes there we see with with arm swings so the arms should be nice and relaxed and and moving there and we shouldn't have them crossing over in front of our body which creates a bit of uh, a bit of twisting um, in terms of where we're landing on our on our feet, that actually doesn't matter so much. So whether we land on our on our heels on the on the uh, the front of our foot or land with more a midfoot position, we don't tend to worry about that too much. There's been a lot of uh, and still to this day, there's a lot of discussion online about you know whether it should be a heel, you know, if you're a heel strike or whether you're you know landing on your on your toes. Uh, that doesn't matter so much. It's more where it's landing in regards to your body. So if you're, we don't want to see the foot landing too far in front of you. Uh, and that, that's what we call an overstride. And uh, basically what that does is it creates a lot of braking forces. And as you can imagine, if you're trying to run forward and you're taking a long step out in front of you, then, uh, then that's just going to be, it's going to be breaking you and slowing you down. So it's not very efficient. And there's also been some studies by uh, Chris Napier that suggest that there's, uh, that's also linked with, with injury. Um, so that overstriding, we tend to see males are often the, the, the worst culprits for that there. They're the ones that, uh, you know, will be pounding the pavement that we, you know, it's almost like every step is a, is a rep there. They're getting, you know, bounding up really high and taking those really long strides. And, uh, and so that's a, a, bit of a bit of a misconception that we want to be really striding out in front of us. We don't want to be doing that we want to keep our steps steps nice and nice and short nice and light and, and get that leg turnover happening a bit uh, a bit faster so so that's a, a one of the more common issues that we see in uh, in, in runners is that overstride. so what about load obviously how uh, often should someone be running should they have a rest day in between runs um, what's the ideal way to sort of plan out your your, your week of running 
Yeah, so that's um, it is a really important one with load, and as we touched on before, with with uh, using apps like Strava and the, and the like to to record your runs, is so that you can track them. Uh, and you know, one of the, the the questions we'll ask our runners is, you know, what's what's your plan? What it, what what are you aiming for here? Uh, and sometimes there won't be one. They're just sort of you know they'll, they'll run here, they'll run there, and there's a lot of inconsistencies, and that that can actually create a lot of problems. Um, you know, we might have a runner that runs four times one week and then the next week they're like, oh, I couldn't be bothered or something came up so I only ran the once. And then you run three times and then zero and there's a lot of ups and, lot of ups and downs there. So a um, lot of inconsistency with, uh, with that. So we often see runners that do, uh, do too, much, too much too soon um, and, uh, and that is, you know, they're just doing more than what their body uh, is, is prepared for. Um, starting off with running, I mean, a really good way to, if, you've, if people have never run before, uh, a good way to, to start is actually just start with some brisk walking and you might do that three times a week and that might be 20 minutes, 20 minutes of, of brisk walking three times a week there. So you're really pushing the pace, um, get a couple of weeks of that under your belt there and then we're ready to, uh, to, to break into a run. And then I've got a, a common return to running program that I've used quite successfully over, over the years uh, and that's uh, involving sort of some intervals. So the, the, the first week you you might, uh, you know, it's a 20 minute session and you might jog for one minute, then you'll walk for one minute and you're basically just alternating that. And this is all done at, at, at easy, easy pace runs. Uh, then the next week you might progress to two minutes of running and one minute of walking and just alternating that and so on and so forth. And the, and the rest of that plan is also on that, um, on that, that, that page there too. But that's a good way to start off. I think you, you need to, you know, to try and get some consistency there. So you want to try and sort of say, I'm going to run, you know, two or three times a week and just make that, put those days in, make them a plan uh, in, in terms of, you know, um, what days of the week to do it. Try and have a rest day, a non-running day in between each one so that you've got, say, you might run a Monday, then you've got a rest on a, on a Tuesday, then you run Wednesday, you might have a rest on a Thursday, then you run on a, on a Friday. So just when you're starting off, have a day's, day's non-running in, uh, in between those days. But I think uh, that's, that's sort of the, the plan to start, yeah, to, for people to start off with. And again, that's very consistent with a lot of the cycling sort of training as well. Um, a lot of the international cyclists will all be on um, or about to be on um, their sort of off season now. And the whole thing is, you know, for the next um, you know, several months from a cyclist, a professional cyclist point of view is you, you never get out of the big chain ring. You know, you've really recovery mm -hmm. is, uh, is a, um, sorry, never get out of the little chain ring, I should say. Mm -hmm. So you make it as easy as your body as you possibly can. And that's, when they're the off season, but even when they're on, on season, you'd be surprised how much of the training is actually quite light. They, when they have to go mm. hard, they go really hard, but a lot of it is just cruising and just getting that body kind of moving. And I guess um, that's probably a similar thing for, for running to some degree. Um, what about um, the, the jog versus the interval training? Um, what, what's better? Is it just a matter of what suits at the time? And is there any advantages of one over the other? Yeah, well, it's, 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 you know, what you mentioned before about, uh, you know, with professional cyclists doing a, a high volume of their, their training at that, at that easy pace, it's actually the same with, with running. And, and this is one of the, the second loading mistakes that we see runners do. So the first one is doing too much too soon. So they'll just ramp things up and, and, uh, and, and being consistent with their runs. But the, the second thing that we see runners, the mistake they make with their loading is they go too fast too often. 
now it's tempting to, you know, to put your runners on and just think I'm going to smash myself for the next 20 minutes and run as hard as I can and then just keep repeating that each time. Now, the problem with uh, there's a few problems with that, but one of the things is that hard running is hard on your body. And if you're going to be doing that sort of training, you need to be recovering quite, quite properly as well. And if you're repeatedly doing that throughout the week, then what can happen is you're essentially breaking yourself down and then an injury can, uh, can result. So first thing is it's, it is hard on the body to be running hard. The second thing is that, that it's actually uh, from, a, from a fitness and, and a benefit of, of uh, improving our performance point of view, it actually works out better to be doing most of your running at a really easy pace. Now, there's been a lot of research that's looked at this and, and Stephen Siler from the US has, has done a lot of uh, work on this. And he's come up with a, an ideal ratio of 80%, 20%. So that's 80% of your weekly running, of your weekly running volume should be in an easy pace. Uh, and 20% should then be hard. Now, what Stephen's done is he's looked across the, the endurance, the whole endurance world. So looking at cyclists, runners, Nordic skiers, uh, swimmers, and, and he's found the same thing across all disciplines is that the, you know, the best in the world are doing, you know, the 80% of their, their weekly, weekly volume is really, really easy. So that's, uh, and you know, how easy is easy? Well, that's, being able to breathe through the nose for those that have got uh, got a clear nasal passage, um, it can be conversation pace. So it can be, you know, imagine you've got someone next to you. If you don't have a running buddy, imagine you've got someone next to you, and it's being able to ha hold a conversation the entire time. So. 80% at that easy, easy pace. And the 20%, well, that's the time when you can really go, when you can really push. And one of the problems that a lot of runners do is they sort of almost get stuck in the middle where it's not easy, but it's not hard flat out. They're sort of yeah. stuck in this gray zone. And the problem with that is that they then don't get the fitness benefits that come from either either end of the spectrum. Plus also they get a, an injury, an increased injury risk from uh, from running that uh, running that hard. So not only is it not, a, it's, it's really not a good way to train in, in a number of, uh, a number of ways so easy really and, and a lot of the time I'm, I'm you know telling and convincing my runners that they need to they need to slow down on a lot of their, their runs that mm. uh, it is tempting to uh, to want to speed up but keep it uh, keep it slow and you can build a, a tremendous amount of fitness just by doing run just by doing slow runs you could run do that for, for months and months and months and months just doing all your runs at an easy slow pace and you'll you'll see huge changes and huge improvements in your in your fitness and I think the other consideration with recovery um, for the, you know, the, the standard athlete as opposed to the um, elite athlete is that we've still got families to, to look after. We've still got work that we have to turn up to and that there's stresses that we will have through the day that we need to account for so that, you know, when you're having a stressful day at work or, you know, having some late nights for whatever reason, that's just the last time to be pushing it. Um, uh, on the running track, I would imagine that's that's another thing that needs to be considered, and another reason for for lightening off the load. That's right, and you know, as, as the saying goes, train hard, recover harder. So you know, the only the only training that you're benefiting from is the one that you're recovering from. So if yeah. you're continually, essentially, training breaks our body down, recovery builds it back up again, stronger than it was before. So if you're continually training, training, training without that recovery, uh, then then you're essentially breaking yourself down, and your your, your fitness and your 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 running times will, will all decline. You won't see the the, the benefits of, of doing that. And sometimes, sometimes for for some runners, it's it's a matter of uh of actually just training less they're mm. actually doing too much They've, they don't have enough recovery and so sometimes taking a run out of the week and, and they see you know massive changes and improvements in their uh, in their running times
That's very good advice. Um, so what about warm up and cool down? What do you recommend for, for these things in particular uh, for avoiding sort of delayed onset muscle soreness and just getting the best out of, uh, out of fitness? Yeah, well, there's interestingly, there's, there's no evidence to support a, a warm up or a cool down um, being a part of, you know, preventing injuries in terms of, in terms of running. Um, I tend to, what I'll tend to suggest for, for those easy runs, so most of those runs that you're going to do during the week, a warm up for that might just be starting your first, your first uh, couple of Ks a bit slower and just easing your way into, uh, into the run. Um, of course, there's always, there's always uh, exceptions. And, and for those that have got, say, you know, you might have someone with a, quite a stiff ankle or they've got that, that hip tightness there or that they need some, you know, to get things going a little bit beforehand, well, they may benefit from a, from a warm-up. But most, most runners actually can just ease into the run uh, for those easier runs. For the hard runs, that's where we do tend to suggest, and, and for the high-intensity stuff, we do tend to tend to suggest a bit of a warm-up there. But that may be as simple as doing um, a, a couple of Ks as an as easy jog warm-up, and then you do your harder session. And even before that, you might do some, some drills. You might do some, you know, some A-skip or B-skip drills there just to get some activation and get things going. And then off you go into your hard session. And then after, the, after you've done that hard section, then you might do, do a cool-down for, for a couple of, couple of Ks. So it doesn't need to get doesn't need to get too fancy with uh, with running, uh, and for the easy easy pace stuff, most pe most people can just benefit from from easing into the run. Fantastic. Well, as always, Luke, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Really interesting conversation, and I think there's a lot in there that uh, will be of great interest to to chiropractors and particularly those who have patients who are runners or maybe they're runners themselves. Um, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate uh, you um, all that you do for the profession with Sports Car Australia and uh, the ACA. And um, thanks again for being on the podcast. Thanks, Anthony. It's a great, uh, great honour. Thanks for having me in and hope, uh, hope everyone enjoys, uh, enjoys the time out on the, uh, out on the road and heading into summer now in Australia too, a bit of, uh, a bit of sun as well too. Absolutely. Well, that's it for me. Thanks for listening. I hope this podcast has been helpful in your quest for excellence and I look forward to chatting with you again on our next ACA podcast. Mm -hmm.